How open are you to finding out more about the people in your life, your relationships, and everything in general? Today, we're talking about curiosity and what a powerful force it can be in your life and relationships. If you'd like to find out more about how to improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com and you can also take our free online conflict style quiz and discover your conflict style in relationships. Welcome to today's podcast and today we're talking about curiosity. Mm, yes, did it kill the cat or not? I suppose that's the saying, isn't it? Curiosity killed the cat. So in that old saying, curiosity is is described as something that's negative, isn't it? That if you're too curious, it gets you into trouble. Yes, I think that probably came from sort of parents wanting their children, you know, those old sayings like, children are best not seen actually seen and not heard or not seen and not heard yeah um but it's just because that curiosity is the thing that drives us to learn mm. it's that thing that drives children to explore to explore the environment to kind of you know walking down a road and I think that's the amazing thing if you've if you've ever looked at little kids just walking down the streets uh, and they're just looking around and you know going, why is the sky blue? Or you know, mm. why is this the way that it is? Mm. There's this drive for curiosity, this drive for learning. Mm. Yeah, so it comes, curiosity comes with this idea of being inquisitive, open, uh, wanting to find out more, wanting to understand, wanting to understand how things work, how the world works, how other people work, how they tick, etc. So really, it's absolutely crucial as um, as a precondition, so to speak, also for successful relationships. Because what you ideally want to have um, is a stance where you're curious about your partner, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I th that's one of the things that I think, if you're in a relationship now, or if you've been in a long-term relationship, or even any sort of friendship, how well do you think you know the other person? Because sometimes we, you know, I've, I know a lot of people who've been in relationships for 10, 20 years, and they think they know the other person really well, but suddenly something shocks them. Like, um, you know, I know somebody who been in a relationship 30 years, thought they knew that relationship very well, and one day their partner just walks out and has had enough, and they just can't understand it because mm. they assumed that everything was fine, that, um, you know, that, that, that there wasn't an issue in the relationship. Mm. Yeah, because that stance, thinking about everything is as is, um, that kind of presupposes that we are static as human beings, that we don't develop, that we don't grow, that we don't change. So it's this idea of, I know my partner, so I know them once, I will always know them. And there's some truth in that, of course, to some extent, of course, you know, some of the quirks of your partner, you have some sort of sense of uh, what motivates them, what interests them, uh, etc. So you have an understanding, that's right, um, about your partner. But you don't always know everything. And, you know, things can shift, things can change. As I say, we both, you know, we as human beings change all of the time. So this stance of curiosity is always relevant um, don't always think uh, that you know everything. Don't always take your partner for, for granted, so to speak. Well, yes. And I, I suppose the interesting question is, where you say it, you said that, you know, there may be areas we do know our partner. Mm. Uh, I wonder how even how true is that? I mean, you know, we know our partner based on how we relate to the world. Mm -hmm. 
because based on what we've learned as children, where, mm-hmm. you know, when our parents say this is right, this is wrong, when we're rewarded for things, um, that what we've learned throughout our entire life about relationships, about how to interact, is what we then presume is responsible for the way that our partner is relating to us. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm sure, you know, it, it comes into uh, problems when, when we're having an argument, for example, mm. and we're thinking this person is just being, you know, just being stubborn. Yeah. They're just, you know, they, they know perfectly well that I'm not happy with this, but they're just being stubborn because they want to kind of they want to win. Mm. And we have this assumption because and where's that based from? Mm. Well, it's based from our past experience of relationships, or it's based on how we're understanding it at the time. Mm. But what's actually going on for your partner could be very, very different. Yeah, so what you're describing there is that the idea that you are, you're saying that your partner has a certain intention, you're ascribing an intention to your partner, you ascribe a certain meaning to your partner's behavior or to what they're saying to you. And sometimes that might be true, and you you might be entirely right here with uh, ascribing a particular intention, but very often you might also get it wrong. So you might assume that your partner is out to um, deliberately upset you, for example, when they weren't necessarily. Um, They just um, came up with a particular behavior or an observation which wasn't meant to hurt you, but you interpret it as such. So often, um, and this happens particularly when there's conflict in relationships, um, it starts with a misunderstanding, so to speak, with um, this idea that you interpret your partner's intention in a particular way, uh, which um, often might not quite hit the nail. So, yeah. Sorry. No, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, in terms of understanding our intentions, I would say that we never 100% know someone's intentions. Mm-hmm. We have an idea of it based on our own way of understanding the world, but mm-hmm. we can never, we never know 100% someone's intentions mm. we never know 100% what's going on for somebody else because mm. we are all individual we're all unique we can have a sense and you know maybe similar mm. but we never know 100% and I think that's what makes things so amazing it's what makes relationships so amazing is that you can be in a relationship for 50 years but you don't fully know that person mm. because you're not them mm. so there's always something to learn about them there's always something to find out more about. There's always something to discover. And I think that's a really amazing thing. Mm. Um, And I think the problem is uh, when we get into the enemy of curiosity, which is assumptions. Mm. So I think assumptions are like the death of curiosity. Absolutely. So curiosity is like the bringer of life in a way, the bringer of you know, potential joy, potential misery as well. But it's it's open to learning, open to new discoveries. Mm-hmm. But assumptions is when we start to think this means that. When my when my boss talks to me in that tone of voice, it means they think that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. When my partners look at me in this certain way, it's because they're trying to uh, undermine me or kind of control my behaviour. Uh, you know, sometimes that may be true, sometimes not. But, you know, basically this is what is going on for us. Mm. And I think that's really important is when we start to have assumptions, being open to other possibilities is really important because as soon as we assume, we basically try to force the world to act in a way that we are familiar with. 
That's a confirmation bias, right? This idea that you're already, you're trying to always look for further arguments that confirm your bias, so to speak. And that's always the difficulty with um, with um, challenges in the relationship. You're already looking for some kind of clear evidence that your partner is out to get you again or is getting it wrong again or something along those lines. Um, so curiosity is pretty much the opposite of um, confirmation bias. It's really... It's an inquiry, isn't it? It's looking deeper into what is actually happening here. So with couples, very often, um, what I invite them to do is, particularly when there is um, a regular uh, topic that's um, always uh, a theme, so to speak, that couples always argue about, that they always get into difficulty with, I sometimes invite them to um, have a, a stance of uh, inquiring, really inquire, deeply inquiring what is uh, going on for their partner. So where one partner is... Uh, conveying what they're experiencing and the other partner is the inquirer and the role of the inquirer is to really listen very very attentively to what their partner is bringing uh, and to just inquire as much as possible so just to have that stance of curiosity so to to ask well okay when you are when you're saying that you feel unhappy about the situation tell me more what makes you unhappy specifically what is it that triggers you in this situation? What is it that you find so deeply hurtful? So you ask, ask as many questions as possible to really drill down, so to speak, into what your partner might be experiencing to make that time. You can just do that for a set amount of time. You can just um, decide, for example, that you both get 10 minutes, something like this, where one of you is relaying the information, their experience, a situation that they found challenging, and the other one is the inquirer who asks lots and lots of questions around that. And then you can swap. And you'd be quite surprised uh, how quickly you get into depth in this conversation and into um, developing quite a different angle and a different way of seeing um, because you really want to know what your partner is experiencing. Yes, I mean, that sounds like a really great exercise. And I think... As well on your own, not just in intimate relationships, but just in general, is noticing when something triggers you or presses your buttons, mm. is having that curiosity of where does this really come from? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the time when we get annoyed, angry, when we, may just, when we feel anxious, we automatically think it's because of this. It's because of this person saying that or that person doing this. Mm. But actually, a lot of the time, these responses and maybe more than is warranted by that particular situation. Because we've learned how to react in situations based on our past. Mm. And I think having that curiosity about our own reactions mm. and discovering, okay, where does this come from? When I feel this way, where does this originate from? Where do these feelings start from? Mm. And seeing that actually sometimes when we're responding more than we need to or more than it is warranted maybe in a situation, it's having that curiosity to explore what's really going on here. Mm. Where does this emotion really come from? And who have I really got in front of me here? So very often um, when there's an argument, for example, um, the person who you're having the argument with 
is actually not your partner, but somebody from the past. So very often the argument might be really an argument that you're having with your brother, your sister, or another family member. Something that's being completely unresolved that kind of plays out again in this scenario. So curiosity can also help you to, um, to understand your projections. What are you projecting onto your partner? What are old feelings from the past that come alive in the present tense that then play out uh, in a conflictual situation with your partner? Who are you really talking to in this moment? Uh, are you really talking to your partner or are you talking to someone else? Yeah, that sound, you know, that, that's really important. You know, understand those projections. In a way, understanding that all of our reactions are, come from within us. Mm. We can't be made to be angry. We can't be made to be irritated. We can't be made to be anxious. Those feelings originate inside of ourselves. Mm. Uh, in some ways, and, and this is quite a challenging question, is that you know, when we're feeling angry, for example, it might be asking ourselves, well, how am I making myself angry as a result of this particular situation? Mm. Um, and exploring where that comes from. Mm. But I think actually just changing, changing the angle slightly, mm. uh, you know, curiosity is, is also how we learn. Mm. Uh, and I think this is one of the things that I've worked with a lot of people about where, you know, sometimes people, when they get to a certain age, they feel that they can't learn anymore. Mm. So, for example, I mean, I mean, I remember when I was about 15, uh, I was on a course. It was a music course. So I used to do a lot of music. And I, I remember so, there was somebody there who I was playing in a, in a group with, and um, they basically said they'd like to learn this particular thing, but they're too old to learn. Mm. And they were only 25. Oh, and like when I was like 15, I was thinking, does that mean like you're pretty much past it when you're 25? Well, I'm well past it by now. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's some of these beliefs we hold. And, mm. and at school, I struggled with learning because, uh, you know, sometimes I, I found it difficult to focus. I found it difficult to keep the attention. Mm. And it was only after leaving school when I started to kind of look more into how, how I think and looking at personal development and personal growth and having my own therapy, mm. uh, I actually discovered that I could learn really quickly mm. and how I could enjoy learning, which I never really did at school. I just, I don't remember enjoying learning at all at school. Mm. But, you know, when I was in my 20s, 30s and now... You know, learning is something I'm incredibly passionate about and mm. I can learn much more quickly now than I could when I was 12 or 13. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Same for me, actually. I think I'm much more I'm much more interested in learning new things now than I used to be uh, in the past, certainly when I was at school. I wasn't really interested in studying that hard. Um, and you're bringing up, what you're bringing up there is uh, sort of two ideas that are popping into my head here that, that are connected to... Um, to curiosity as well. One is that it relates to motivation um, because if you're very curious, that can motivate you or if you're very motivated, you're maybe more curious, both feet into each other. So there's something around motivation here for me. And the other one, which is also interrelated, is um, creativity. I think if you're very curious, um, so curiosity can also feed your creativity because you are... You're, you want to find out about something. You want to learn how something works. You want to learn a new skill, a new ability. Um, that can kind of fire this uh, your um, creative energies as well. It can stimulate your energies. It can motivate you to be um, creative as well. Yeah, I mean, I think curiosity is like the seed of motivation for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's almost tapping into that feeling that you have when you're a little kid walking down the street. 
And one of the challenges for many people is, you know, we, we're born with this curiosity because as we're younger, we're, we, we're learning machines. We're learning about the environment. We're learning about relationships. Mm. You know, just from before we have words, it's those first relationships we have with our primary carers where we learn how they respond to us. We learn we, sort of we, we discover our attachment style. So our attachment style is formed in those early interactions before we even have words. But we're learning you know, this type of relationship, what that means, what that means about us, what it means about relationships in general. Mm-hmm. You know, these are powerful things. Our brain is forming new neural connections. Mm-hmm. So we're continually forming new connections as we learn and curiosity drives that. Mm-hmm. The, one of the challenges I think for many people is when we go to school mm-hmm. and sometimes, um, at, you know, some countries schooling starts at a later age, I think sort of six or seven. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, and it's challenging because, you know, as parents, we have to work as well. So sometimes you know, it, it's best or it kind of we have to put our kids into sort of a, an environment where they're stuck behind a desk from a very early age, sometimes, I don't know, three or four, I'm not sure, I don't four, really know, yeah, I think four. So. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, learning stuff with a certain curriculum, which doesn't always inspire that curiosity. Mm. So sometimes that curiosity is driven out first because I think we're focused on targets mm. like for exams we have to learn this for an exam or we learn something by rote mm. you know it's like two times two is four four times four is 16 so we learn these things just by rote mm. rather than kind of learning the process of learning and having that curiosity mm. yes because a lot of the um uh, learning at school later on in life as well maybe at university is kind of outcome driven rather than focused on the process of learning itself and the joy of learning I mean, if it's a good school, and obviously there are also good schools, there are good kindergartens, there are good nurseries where the focus is very much on that joy of learning. If that's in case, that will then stimulate lots more uh, curiosity about the world and about wanting to find out more. But if it's curbed and cut and squashed, um, I think it can kind of kill this. That, that, that can kill your curiosity, can't it? Yes, I mean, certainly I know so many people that when I finish school, it's like, that curiosity wasn't there. There are a lot of assumptions. Mm. We learn, oh, this is the way things are. X, you know, one plus one equals two. And, you know, basically these facts, we, you know, assumptions, which some things, are, you know, are important, obviously, that there are certain facts that we need to learn. Mm. At the same time, it's knowing that there's so much more that we don't know. Mm. In particular in relationships at school, we, ne- we, we never get taught about how to relate. We never get taught about the fact that someone else's experience of the world is completely different to our own. Mm. That every little nuance in that person's development has led to them forming a different map of how the world is, of how relationships are. Mm -hmm. And all we can do is just have that experience of where our map meets somebody else's map. And we have this sort of you know, experience of exploring what it is like for that other person's map. Mm. And I think that's what's really great is to think about it. This is somebody with a completely unique experience and having that curiosity about what really drives them to behave in this way, rather than thinking like, well, why do they keep doing this whenever I say this? It's more sort of that curiosity is what's led them to respond in this way. Mm. 
Because there's also um, there's also a research methodology, isn't there? I can't remember now. Appreciative inquiry. Have you heard of that? I have, but I couldn't tell you what to say. I can't remember it. I've been reading about it a while ago. But it's the same sort of principle, isn't it? It's the idea that you are, you appreciate what you learn. You look into. You have a sort of a, a, a curious stance. You want to find out more about what uh, what goes on with a particular phenom- phenom- phenomenon. Sorry, I can't pronounce the word. Um, so you have that kind of stance of, uh, you know, wanting to know more and more and more and more and more. And the more you know, the more you can appreciate, the more complex something becomes as well. Same as because, you know, we are complex, aren't we, as people, as human beings, we are very complex because, as you said, we are learning machines. We've learned so much. We hold all this information and store all this information about the world. Uh, in our memory, in our new, in our neurology, we carry this around, in, um, and um, and because of that complexity, it's actually not always that easy to really understand what goes on with another person because they have all this complexity. So for both of you to to meet in the middle, so to speak, and to understand, really requires a particular stance, a stance of openness, a stance of wanting to know more about each other's experiences and it's more easily said than done and maybe you can't manage that always maybe you can't always be curious about your partner when you're at the same time feeling angry or frustrated or hurt uh, by your partner maybe you can't always do it but I think it's in it's important to occasionally at least engage um, differently with your partner to have that open stance to really wanting to know what's going on Yes, and, and also in terms of you know, another really important aspect of this, I think, is that having that curiosity, whether it's understanding your partner, whether it's learning something new about uh, maybe a new skill, a new kind of hobby, mm-hmm. learning dancing. Mm-hmm. We know that as we grow older, we are continually able to form new neural connections in our brain. We have, mm. you know, in terms of neuroscience, it's talked about uh, neuroplasticity, mm. where we can, st- we can still continue to shape these learning connections in our mind, these neural pathways. Mm. And, and it's so important to do as you get older, to maybe learn something new, to keep these connections active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of our brain health, it's, it's a really important thing to keep doing. That's why, you know, learning, learning something new is, is a great thing to do. And in a relationship, maybe learning something new together can be a great way that you can share an activity and mm-hmm. grow together. And mm-hmm. kind of as you're doing something together opens up that level of curiosity that sometimes you don't have when you're just at, interacting the way that you're used to. I was just about to say the same, exactly this idea of learning something together, being curious about something together, um, can also be really um, sort of binding, can't it? Because it's, you know, there's an excitement, because it creates excitement, I think, um, and it creates a shared excitement if you learn something together. And that could be anything. I mean, it doesn't have to be astrophysics. Um, It could just be, you know, learning how to, to dance, for example, or learning how to, um, I don't know, whatever it is, uh, you know, build a garden together outside and creating something together is really, uh, really joyful. Yes, and I think also it's, you know, doing something like this in a different environment means that you don't have the normal associations around you that trigger off your assumptions so that you start thinking, this is this is what this this is what my partner means. This is what my past partner kind of is doing. Mm. But when we're in a different environment, 
you know, sometimes it opens up an, a, a different way of seeing the other person. Mm. So it's like, you know, for example, if we wanted to have a discussion, a difficult discussion with our partner or children, sometimes the best thing to do is go to an environment that's more relaxed, you know, go out somewhere. Um, you know, like with kids, mm. if you want to bring up a difficult topic, it might be, you know, go bowling with them and as they're relaxed, you can have a conversation that's difficult to have at home because we're so full of those triggers and associations that, that lead us to automatically behave in a certain way with them or make certain assumptions for them or for us. Yeah, and you're touching on another point there, which is that curiosity also um, paves the path for novelty, I think. Um, if you're curious about something, you might discover something new. And that in itself can spark another interest and so on and so forth. So there are um, novelty, I think, in itself also creates excitement um, and can be can make you feel alive um, by, you know, by, 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 by learning something that's new. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've covered everything we're going to talk about today. So thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with anybody who you think might benefit from it. And head over to the therelationshipmaze.com where you can find out more about how to improve your relationships. So thanks for listening today and tune in next time. Take good care. Until then. Bye. Bye.